0: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to Tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to season three, episode 53 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Today, we're gonna talk about the difference between who is an instructor and who is a mentor. What's the difference? When is it appropriate to be an instructor? When is it appropriate to be a mentor? And the lasting impressions of each. By definition, the definition of an instructor is one who teaches or instructs. So to instruct means to furnish with knowledge, especially by a systematic method of teaching, training, and educating. The definition of a mentor is a wise and trusted counselor or a teacher. A mentor is also someone who is influential and lasts with you throughout your training. Instructors can also be called teachers or educators, and usually they have a base of knowledge that they're going to pass on to you, and they're working off of a pre-planned and a formalized curriculum with a defined learning objective that they are trying to teach. These objectives are generally measurable outcomes. So the teachers or the instructors know if the students are receiving the information that they're passing on, if they're meeting those objectives, and if they can be measured. So a teacher gives instruction, a teacher gives content, a teacher is instructing material, and they're constantly checking their students or the audience to make sure that material is received, heard, and understood through meeting objectives and through measuring those objectives, whether it be through questions and answers, whether it's through a formalized exam or some other type of way that the teacher or instructor knows that their student gets the material. Oftentimes, instructors are working off of an already-planned curriculum, whether it be through lesson plans that have been given to them through either a school district or a university, lesson plans on a particular business model or a corporation that is planning to teach a certain skill or a certain education, and they also may be working off of a pre-made PowerPoint presentation. That was developed to make sure that all lessons capture objectives and all objectives are taught and the students are achieving those objectives through measurable results. Think of a time that you were a student, whether it be taking a first aid training or maybe you went through CPR training or... Or maybe you remember your days back in high school or college, sitting in a classroom or sitting in an auditorium, listening to the instructor teach a particular topic. You were graded or you were tested on the content of knowledge that you gained and acquired learning this material from that teacher. So the knowledge that was passed on was pre-recorded or pre-made, and it's a set of instructions that are pretty pretty definitive. So they're giving you the content, they're giving you the lessons, they're giving you the material, and it's up to you to understand and absorb that material and show the teacher that you've learned it through meeting those objectives, through answering the questions, or ultimately passing the final exam whether it was a final exam in a class or getting through a semester or walking away with a diploma graduating. An instructor can also be someone that you turn to if you're learning how to use a gadget or a tool. So if you get a brand new cell phone and you don't know how to use all the features, you may go to the store and ask one of the quote experts who are working at the store to give you a tutorial or instruct you on how to use all the features on your new device. Same goes with any hunting, fishing, camping, archery, any type of equipment that you decide to purchase to go outdoors. If you've never owned that particular piece of equipment, you would go find a reputable instructor or an employee reaching out to the manufacturer so they can instruct you on how to use that piece of equipment that you now own and would like to learn how to use safely and properly. Instructors are there for you to reach out to, to provide the facts and to learn how to use equipment and accessories. But turning the tables, you as an instructor, if somebody seeks your knowledge and skill set, they're coming to you and you need to know your own limitations as an instructor on how to be effective. If you are being sought after as an instructor for a particular skill or a knowledge base that you have, it's very important that you learn to stay within the lanes of your own skill set. It's very dangerous to start stepping out of your boundaries and stepping out of your comfort zone and trying to teach what you don't know as fact. So, this could get dangerous as if you're teaching a skill set and you're starting to assume or to guess on how to be safe or how to utilize equipment because the people that are seeking your information and your input, they're coming to you for your knowledge base and your skill set. So you need to make sure that you're always working squarely within your base of skill and your base of knowledge. Because if you're passing that on to other people and students, you don't want to give misinformation and guide them the wrong way. If something is outside of your box, If it's outside of your base of knowledge or outside of that contained information within the form of curriculum, it is definitely okay to say, I don't know. It is okay and advisable to say, not only, I don't know, but let me get you that information. So, depending on whatever information that you're portraying or you're passing out to students, You should have some additional resources that you can turn to to give the students that additional information that may be above your pay grade or beyond your scope of knowledge. So if you're teaching something about firearms and it's okay that you don't know absolutely everything there is to know since the beginning of time when cavemen started using tools, that's okay People don't like know-it-alls and they don't like to think that somebody knows absolutely everything there is to know. Because guess what? That is impossible and that's fake news. So stay within your lanes, stay within your comfort zone, and definitely stay within the curriculum that you've been sought out to teach. If you are trying to teach a basic skill... And questions come in if people may be more advanced that's in your group of students. It's okay to tell them that is not within the scope of this course or lesson. Let's move on to the next basic skill I'm trying to teach. If you start to chase rabbits down trails by answering different questions that may be higher skill sets, or if these folks have a a broader understanding of what you're trying to teach, you certainly don't want to lose those students that have no idea on the foundation what you're trying to get across. So it's real important that you stick within your lesson plan, stick within those basic objectives, and pass that on to the folks who came to you to learn this particular skill set. It's okay to address those questions of greater understanding, but make sure that you bring it back to where you were getting those foundations set. Because if you overlook some basic building blocks on a skill you're going to lose those people that never learn those fundamentals. You're going to try to teach to those who may have a broader understanding, but you're going to lose the ones that came to you for those basic skills. So try to involve everybody and keeping it on track, keeping it on your lesson plan. Again, it's okay to say, That is not within the scope of this course or lesson, but definitely I will get your information and get answers for you, but let's move on, keeping on the agenda where we're headed to keep everybody on track. If you have a passion about a particular skill set or a particular knowledge base of information, you may easily transform from being an instructor to being a mentor. A mentor is somebody that is experienced and they are a trusted advisor or a trusted trainer. A mentor helps other people develop knowledge and they also help other people develop skills. And skills in itself is a skill. So you not only have to be experienced and knowledgeable to be a mentor, but you have to know how to pass that information on to the students or those who are seeking your experience and your advice. Sometimes if you're working with a student, you oftentimes don't have a defined structure. You know that you have a student that wants to become a more proficient shotgun shooter. So you have a meeting with them at the range and you know that you're going to be teaching them the basics of shotgun shooting and how to break more clays. But oftentimes you don't have a defined structure of what that day is going to look like. Sometimes you don't get to pick the topics because the people are going to come to you or whatever skill set you have they're seeking, they're going to have their own set of questions to overcome and to learn the answers to. So you're not always going to be prepared for some of the questions that come your way. So it's oftentimes easy to go past your knowledge and skill set when people are coming to you to seek that information. Again, it's okay to say that you don't know, but also be prepared to find those answers for those students that they're seeking that information. Mentors oftentimes rely on their own past experiences, both good and bad, and learning the challenges that have been overcome to pass along this information to students. So the, In the example of on the shotgun range, you may build upon all the experiences that you as a shotgun shooter have had and things that you've had to overcome and how they've made you a better shooter. Now you can teach the next person that's coming to you for that information. You can pass that along to them and become their mentor. A mentor doesn't always have to be someone who's experienced and knowledgeable in a particular professional field or a professional sport activity. They can be someone as awesome as a Boy Scout, for example. Scouting has taught young people and adults alike how to build campfires, how to build shelters, how to pitch a tent, how to cook over an open flame how to fish and how to do many other outdoor type skills. So you may actually be mentored by a young person who's spent their entire youth and teenage years in the scouting program, and they may actually become a mentor to teach somebody new how to do these outdoor activities. So they don't always have to be in a professional type of an environment, but sometimes you can look right within your own community and learn some of these outdoor skills right from young people who've spent their lifetime doing them. I believe the lack of structure can be a better learning environment for the learner, but only if we make good use of that less structured environment." Sometimes structure can be very intimidating to people. Sometimes they get test anxiety or sometimes people get anxiety around groups that they're always fearful that the person sitting next to them is full of information and has much more knowledge than they do. And oftentimes that's not always the case. Our perception often gets the best of us and it gives us anxiety that we don't really need when we're trying to learn a new skill. On the other hand, some people find a less structured environment very intimidating. They don't feel like they have anything under control. Uh, They like to work off of a lesson plan and a very structured agenda. So this is why it's very important if you are a mentor and you're mentoring a new skill or you're working with people through a series of days or weeks or semester or even a lifetime of an activity, it's really important that mentors know their students and they know a little bit of background and they know how the student is going to learn best and react the best in that particular environment. So the structured environment, or the lack of, is always to benefit the student. Most teaching environments are structured to benefit the teacher. So think back of the times that you've been into a class, or been into a lesson, or you're sitting and learning a skill, whether it's a cooking skill, or changing a tire, or if you've signed up for a class to learn a particular um, piece of education or knowledge, think about how that class was structured. It always is structured to benefit the teacher. It gives them the greatest opportunity to teach that skill in a certain amount of time, meeting those objectives and making sure the students understand those objectives. Usually when you sign up for a class or a skill set, it's usually for a very short period of time. You go and you meet your one day, eight hours, or five days, 40 hours a week, or whatever that time set is based around that skill that you're learning, you're there for a purpose. And once you learn it, achieve the objective, and you pass the test, whether it's a cooking test, or um, effectively changing tires, or pitching that tent, or passing that semester course, whatever that is that you've gone to achieve. When you're done, you're done. You walk away and sometimes that's all you know and sometimes you can go on to part two or the next lesson to build onto that skill that you've just learned. But nonetheless, it's all done in a certain environment that's usually pretty structured and the teacher is there to give that knowledge and to get you through that training and get you to pass that class or that test. Mentoring, on the other hand, gives the opportunity to develop growth through your experiences and through learning those additional skills and building on those foundational blocks. Mentoring is not about you, the mentor. Mentoring is all about them, the students. If someone is asking for your help and asking for your advice, It's usually because they respect your opinion and they recognize that you might be very knowledgeable in that particular field. Whatever that field may be, people are seeking you to mentor them through the day or through that skill. It doesn't necessarily have to be a skill like I talk about a lot of shooting skills or camping, hunting, fishing skills. Maybe it's something as simple as parenting. You know, Raising four boys, I oftentimes have been sought after from my friends and family who are raising boys. Hey, how did you handle this experience? Or how did you get through that? Or share with me some of the tools in your tool shed to get you through the teenage years or whatever that may be. People sought my information as a mentor because I'm living it. And usually you go to the people that Are living those experiences and are very knowledgeable of whatever it is that you're trying to learn more about and become better at. So, again, it's always important to remember that as a mentor, it's not about you, it's all about them and how they learn, why they're approaching you and asking you for your information. They're asking for guidance so they can become better and more proficient and better educated about whatever it is that they have come to ask you about. Someone is asking for your help and advice because they respect your opinion. They respect that you're knowledgeable in the past and the experience, and they want to be taught and trained by you. It's also important to control the urge you may have to respond to the way others make you feel rather than what they need. You're there in it to help your students, and it's all about them and addressing their needs and desire to learn, not about making you feel good. So when you're teaching a new skill, it's really important that you have your student concentrate concentrate on whatever it is that skill may be. So, what is concentration? Concentration is the ability for you or for your student to focus all of your attention and all of your energy to accomplish one specific task. If it's changing a tire, if it's changing a diaper, whatever it is, it's the ability to focus all your attention to focus and accomplish that task. Because if your mind starts to wander and you're not focused on the task at hand, you're going to be distracted. You're going to be distracted from learning. Other thoughts are going to fill your head and you're not going to be able to successfully accomplish that task to the best of its ability. If you start to try to multitask and do many different things, the task that you're trying to accomplish is going to diminish. So concentration is so important for your student. What this means for you is the fact that you need to make sure that all of your attention as the mentor is focused on making sure your student is concentrating. So you need to be making sure that all of your attention is on that student. Don't be playing on your phone or doing another distracting activity while your student is there to learn. So you, the mentor, everything that you must do must be directed at making sure your student is concentrating, focused, and achieving those objectives that you're trying to get them through. So how can you make sure that your students are concentrating? What you want to do is whatever environment that you're in, you want to make sure that you eliminate as much distraction as you can control. You want to try to make them comfortable. You want to make sure that they're not too hot, not too cold. Whatever skill set that you're teaching, if it's going to be um, mentoring them through a, t- a particular shooting skill, you want to make sure that they're comfortable so they're not focused on I'm too hot or I'm too cold or it's too windy. So try to do your best to control the environment, whether it's going to an indoor range versus an outdoor range, going on a sunny decent day versus a blustery, cold, windy day. So do everything you can to focus on getting your student comfortable. You want to make sure that there's not too many outside distractions like other people. A lot of times people get discouraged and they get nervous when they're learning a new skill, whatever that skill may be. So again, as a mentor, you want to do your best to eliminate any kind of background noise any kind of background distraction you want to make sure that they first and foremost are comfortable you want to make sure also as a mentor that you are not over instructing whatever that skill may be there's nothing worse as a student that when somebody is standing over your shoulder giving way too many orders or way too many instructions oftentimes that student's going to shut down they're going to be i'm done i can't I don't like this, I'm uncomfortable, I'm overwhelmed. All too often, that student has a bad experience when the instructor or mentor isn't doing them justice. There are those people out there that like to hear themselves talk. They like to hear themselves brag about who they are and how many certifications they have and how many patches they wear. The look at me, look at me kind of mentality oftentimes doesn't come across very good for a new inexperienced um, beginner in whatever skill set that you're trying to teach or to try to mentor through. So again, it's so important to remember that as a mentor, you are focused exclusively on your student and making them comfortable and making them understand that it's all about them. During this lesson, during this week or month or however long that you have them with you, It's all about their comfort and their success. You need to control the urge that you may have to do that feel good stuff again and tell too many stories about your past and your successes. But again, it's all about them. Ask your students, how do you feel? What did you think? What did you see? Does that make sense? Do you understand? Am I confusing you? Ask me questions. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that word means? Do you know how to put all this together to accomplish this particular skill that I'm trying to teach you? Always turn it around and ask your students because again, you're teaching them through their eyes. You want them to be the most comfortable, the most successful, and the most confident during that time that you have them through that mentored skill. Don't ever be afraid to say, I don't know. Gosh, that's a great question. I don't know. I've never been asked that before. Or let me find out the answer for you because I certainly don't want to lead you down a wrong path of misinformation. So that builds your credibility as a person, as a trainer, as a mentor, by admitting that you don't know. I've been in several different environments of classroom, of training, of teaching as a student where the instructor or the teacher is up there just bragging on and on ad nauseum about how much they know, how smart they are, how experienced they are, how skilled they are, all these war stories that they're telling – I pretty much shut down when they start going on that pathway because it. a lot of people don't like that. And whether they get intimidated or it's just calling BS on all of that, um, a lot of people don't like that environment. And so as a student in those different situations, I try to take that and turn it around and use it the opposite And don't do that to my students. I want people to feel very comfortable and confident sitting through my training or asking me to guide them along the way. It's okay to don't have all the answers. I actually like it when people ask me questions and stump me because it gives me a chance to keep on my toes and not get into a rut in my teaching style or my training style I love it when they throw questions at me and I don't have the answer to because it forces me to still keep on my research and keep seeking that knowledge because you never stop learning. And every time I teach somebody or train somebody, it's better than my last class or it's better than my last student because I'm building on all of those experiences, all of the questions, all of those teachable moments that happen throughout the course of your day that turn around, and make a better student. The worst thing that a, a mentor can do by trying to fill in the gaps of the I don't know information is to put out wrong and incorrect information. There's different techniques and different opinions, and that's okay. The information that I teach might be completely different in the way that I put it out there than the way my husband teaches. I'll use the example of cooking a big meal. My husband will get in the kitchen and it'll take him all day long to cook because what he does is when he finishes using a pot or a pan or a skillet, he is constantly washing it. He fills up the sink and he washes all the dishes as he's done using them as he's done cooking that particular part of the meal. Me, on the other hand, when I have a big meal to cook, I will use all my resources of the skillets, pots, pans, I'll get everything cooked. And I don't do my cleanup until after everyone has eaten and the kitchen's a big mess. I do it all at once. I don't do it intermittently. Not saying my way's right or wrong, not saying John's ways is right or wrong, but a simple example to show, it doesn't matter how you get to the end result. It's the way that you take to get there. Same with any teaching skill recognize that there's different techniques and different ways to do things, and that's all perfectly great and okay. It's just the matter of how your students learn and how they seek you out to become their mentor. Also, it's important to recognize your own ignorance. What is ignorance? Ignorance is simply a lack of knowledge. If I don't know about something, that's okay. I'm going to admit that I don't know, but I'm sure going to do my research to find out from a reputable source the right information. Again, passing that on to the students, giving them the right information so I'm not leading someone else down a path that would negatively impact their long-term goals or worse, I sure don't want to get somebody else hurt by giving them misinformation about a skill set that I'm trying to pass on and teach them. You can't talk somebody into proficiency. If I have a ton of information that somebody needs... I can't output that effectively just by talking. They cannot input that as efficiently, especially physical skills. Your students need to spend lots of time actually doing that particular skill, not by just listening. So being a good mentor is letting your students make mistakes. There is nothing harder as a mentor, as a parent, as a friend, then teaching somebody a new skill and watch them fail over and over as people fail on a skill they become frustrated when you become frustrated too often you want to walk away and not come back to that particular skill so there's a fine line a fine balance when you're mentoring to recognize that in your student recognize that frustration recognize if they're not achieving that goal whatever that goal may be Take a break, walk away, come back to it, and go at it from a different angle. Try to use different words or teach a different way to try to get them to understand or ask them, what did you hear? How did you feel? What did you think? What did you see? Just by having your students talking to you might give you a better way to teach that particular skill. I always go back to the example, and you've probably heard this, and if you've listened to my past podcasts about the way women and men hear and perceive things. When my husband tells me to move the suburban to the front of the driveway, we have four vehicles. I hate moving vehicles. Have I said that before? I really hate moving vehicles around. So I'll back out all the vehicles, line them up down the street. I'll pull the Suburban up to the driveway, and then I'll line the remaining three vehicles behind the Suburban. When my husband will come home, he'll say, what'd you do? I thought I told you to put the Suburban to the front because I need to use it today for whatever reason. To me, the front of the driveway is the first car that's closest to the garage. To my husband, the front of the driveway is the car that's closest to the street, So it's just something real simple as understanding what that means, women versus men or adults versus youth. Understand what your student is hearing so you can talk in their language and talk in their terms so they understand whatever skill set that you're trying to teach. Just by talking through it, oftentimes you can't understand it until you actually do it. I can teach somebody all day long by talking how to hook up and back a trailer. They're not going to be able to do it well until they actually get into the driver's seat and actually are doing the skills that I'm trying to tell them how to maneuver. Putting hands-on that activity is going to get that student to understand it even better. There's an old saying that goes something like this, Show me I'll watch, teach me I'll listen, involve me I'll understand they need to spend a lot of time actually doing, not just listening. There's no better learning like hands-on learning. You want your students to make mistakes. Resist by being a helicopter. Resist by hovering around them, telling them everything that they've done wrong, or worse yet, telling them how they should have did it right. Again, your student is more than likely going to shut down and stop listening and stop learning if there's negative reinforcement coming in on both sides of their ears. Yes, it's painful to watch failure. It's something that we have to get through to be able to become a better skilled person. Mistakes mean feedback. There's no better teaching tool and mentoring tool than feedback. We learn from our mistakes and we learn how to overcome those mistakes to do something the right way. So we manage our training environment so we do not put people, especially beginners, into a situation where they can fail with respect to the fundamentals of being safe. We always want people to learn from their mistakes and overcome those challenges to become a better and more proficient student in whatever skill set that you're trying to teach. It's perfectly okay to have the environment that you're teaching in set up where your students can fail and have that safety net of failure to help them overcome what they did to make that fail and involve them in the analysis of that failure, how to fix it so they don't fail the next time. Always, again, involve your student and make them part of that learning process. As the mentor, you are constantly evaluating your students. So what does it mean to evaluate your students? Evaluation is determining whether and to what extent any of the training that you've offered has taken place. Have the students learned what you've taught them? How can you measure that through question and answer, through skill set, Through show and tell, do as I do kind of activities, those hands on activities are going to help you make an evaluation if the training that you're putting forth has been effective. So ultimately, the whole purpose of an evaluation is to improve your students' performance. To whatever skill set that you're trying to teach them, you want your students to always be improving you're developing their knowledge and skill base, and you're giving them a good attitude to get through that training. So everything that you, the mentor, need to do is to focus on the success of your student through continued evaluation, continued suggestions for improvement, and always involving them through that process. As an effective mentor, how do you do that? you need to know the correct behavior and the correct skill set to look for and to know what your student is doing getting through that process. So you need to know that correct behavior and you need to know how to look for that behavior in your student. So by constantly communicating and evaluating that, you're only making a better, stronger, more empowered student learning whatever skill that you're trying to teach. Feedback is always important and it's always sought after. You always want to keep your feedback to your students positive. You're always wanting them to focus on doing the right thing and doing the positive thing. If you, the mentor, are constantly telling them don't, never, it always is going to put a negative mark on their learning process. If I tell you right now to don't think about purple pickles, what did you just think about? You probably just thought about a purple pickle. So by telling somebody to not do something, they're going to do that something. That something that you're telling them not to do is probably in their mind. If you tell somebody to don't eat that chocolate candy on the counter, they're probably getting a craving for something chocolate right now. Don't push that red button. They're going to push that red button so it's a it's a mindset it's a different way that we teach the different way that we mentor and train you always want to teach somebody to the positive teaching them and demonstrating them the correct way to do something the positive way to do something is only going to leave that lasting impression so they become more proficient in whatever skill set you're trying to teach you want to keep the stress level as close to zero as you possibly can you want to focus on the fun You want to focus on motivating your students to become better learners and to truly embrace whatever skill set you're trying to teach them, and they hopefully will build the same passion that you have as the mentor into their new activity. You want to keep your mentoring environment fun and a happy place to be. By having students enjoying themselves, they're only going to become better students and better learners. People may forget what you did. They may forget what you said but they will never forget how you made them feel. There is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo, and you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit northamericanoutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day.